Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Thank you. But the question that we're looking at tonight is, who am I? Who am I? And you know, that's quite a scary question for a lot of people. Who am I? Why is it so scary? You know, it's a question that every one of us will ask ourselves at some point in our lives. But you see, it's such a a scary question because it's so confronting. It actually makes me look inside myself. It makes me ask myself questions. It makes me consider, hey, what's actually going on in here? Who am I? And in thinking about um, this message and in thinking about what shapes our identity, I came to the conclusion that your identity is formed and shaped by what you choose to accept and listen to about yourself, okay? There's a lot of influences in our lives. We've got family, we've got friends, we've got school, we've got education. I keep thinking back to uh, Pastor Joe's teacher, Fadi Bardi, that he mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I cannot get that guy out of my head. Um, But there's experiences, all these different things shape our identity. They put into us and we need to choose What am I going to take on board and what am I not? And it's so imperative, it's so important that we're listening to the right things. It's so important that we're taking on board from the right things and making sure that we're leaving behind what we shouldn't be taking inside, okay? You know there's a difference between hearing and listening? There is actually a difference between hearing and listening. Example, okay, this is me and my brother playing cricket, okay, when we were kids, so all day we'd... 8 o'clock, get in the backyard, come back in at 5 o'clock, right? And all day our mum would be saying things. Hey, guys, can you clean your room? Hey, guys, can you put the dishes away? Hey, guys, I've folded your clothes. I've put them on the steps. Can you please just take them away and put them in your room? You know, we heard the whole thing. We heard every single command. We heard every single instruction. We heard every single plea. But all day... Actually, that's, that was Dave all day because I was batting. Okay, he couldn't, he couldn't get me out, I'd have to retire. Um, only, only because I was four years older than him. Okay, but we, we heard every single command. But when mum said, hey guys, lunch is ready. Okay. Hey guys, dinner's ready. Hey guys, I've bought some ice creams. Hey, something changed. The voice that we were hearing, we now listened to. It now made a difference in our lives. We actually took action. And in, re- in relation to our identity, in relation to who we are, we need to be careful what we are listening to. We need to be careful, okay, to be able to weed out, okay, there's a lot of noise going on, but what am I actually listening to? Turn to your neighbour and ask them, who are you listening to? Who's heard of Tom Brady? Show of hands, show of hands. Okay, not everyone. Some have, some haven't, okay? Tom Brady is a NFL footballer, so an American footballer. You know those behemoths that wear all the padding and the helmets and they play that crazy game where they run into each other? Tom Brady is one of those guys, okay? Back in the year 2000, Tom Brady was yet to be drafted, okay? He had not been picked yet. Okay, he was still a young man coming up through the ropes. And what happens when you're going to be drafted is you go to what's called a draft combine. And this place is full of scouts. And what scouts do is they're professionals and they're... This is Tom. Hey, Tom. How you doing? 
There, uh, a draft combine is full of scouts, and a scout's job, okay, is to identify skills within the certain players, okay? Now, they do this on behalf of the club, so when the clubs come to look at the players, they grab each player's scouting report, and they can read, okay, this is, they're good at this, they're good at that, they're not so good here, they're not so good there. I want to read to you tonight Tom Brady's scouting report. This is what the professionals, okay, the professionals, the people who are paid to have an opinion, the people who are meant to have an eye for what is actually going on and what skill sets they have, this is what these people said about Tom, okay? Poor build, skinny, lacks physical stature and strength. You're probably thinking, are you Tom Brady? No, I'm not, I'm not Tom Brady. There's no need to laugh so hard, guys. Okay, we'll keep going. Okay, this is what they said. Lacks mobility. Okay, so he doesn't move all that well. He lacks a strong arm. Now, this guy was a quarterback. He's the guy who throws. Who throws you, 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 like, strong arm is pretty important. It's pretty imperative. You need that, yeah? Strong arm. They said he's easily exposed. He's knocked down easily. That's scathing. That's scathing. Like, this is a young man with dreams. Hey, I want to become a professional. I want to make it on the big stage. And this is what the professional scouts have said about him. I've got another picture of Tom that I'd like to put up now. Because this is Tom's CV since then. Tom is a six-time champion. Six times he's led his team to the grand final. He's a three-time MVP, most valuable player best player in the whole league, okay? Remember what they said about him, lacks strong arm, easily exposed, okay? But this is who he is. He's a 14, not four, 14 times all-star. Means he's made the best team of the league 14 times, okay? Not bad for someone who's poor build, skinny, and lacks physical strength, okay? You know what his nickname is? The GOAT. The GOAT. Greatest of all time. The goats, okay? And just if you need, do we need a cherry on top? Do we want a cherry on top? Okay. His wife is Giselle Bunchen, who is a Victoria's Secret model, okay? Apparently, someone told me that. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Okay. But can you imagine, can you imagine if Tom Brady listened to the scouting report about him. Could you imagine that he let that determine his identity? Because I'm sure at the time that Tom would have had people around him who were supporting him. He would have had people around him saying, hey man, you're gonna make it. Hey Tom, I believe in you. Hey Tom, you're gonna get there man, I'm supporting you all the way. Now he had to make a choice. He had to make a choice. Am I going to put my trust and my faith in what the scouts have said about me? Or am I going to put my trust and faith in what the people who are supporting me have said about me? You know, Tom could have easily disqualified himself by listening to the wrong report. He could have said, you know what? If that's what they're saying about me, it's too hard. I'll walk away. I'll go try basketball. I'll go try, ba I'll, I'll go try something else. I'll focus on my degree. You know, he could have disqualified himself by listening to the wrong report. You know, we can unnecessarily disqualify ourselves when we listen to the wrong report. We can unnecessarily disqualify ourselves when we take the wrong information and start believing it as our identity. We can cause ourselves to have a false, um, 
false grasp of who we actually are, of who we're meant to be, if we feed off and listen to the wrong identity. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, who are you listening to? Digby actually told me before I started that no one's ever finished the glass of water. I said, is that a challenge? Because we are close. Okay. Genesis, we better look at the Bible. Yeah, we're in church. Okay. Genesis chapter 3. Okay. It talks about um, the fall of man when Adam and Eve uh, ate the fruit. Okay. And it says, as they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Okay, so this is what's going on here. They've eaten the fruit of the tree. They've done something that they weren't meant to do, okay? And God's come down and he's looking for Adam and Eve, okay? Now, something about God, yeah, like he's God. He knows everything, all right? He's amazing. He's all-knowing. He's everything, okay? Do you think he didn't know where these people were? I mean, he's God. He only had two people. He he didn't have have eight billion like he's got today. Like if there was eight billion and he's thinking, okay, I wonder where Joe DiMatteo is. Joe, you there, mate? You there? He had two. I got twins. I know what it's like to have two. Okay? You don't really lose them. We'll go to the next verse. Okay? I think we've lost the verse there. I think we've lost the verse there. But that's okay. So God goes down into the garden. And he says, where are you? He says, where are you? He's looking for them. And he asks them this question, not because he doesn't know where Adam is, but he needs Adam to know where he is. He needs Adam to locate himself in this situation. God knows where he is. God knows exactly where he's hiding. God's the best at hide and seek. Never loses. God needed Adam to realize, hey, where am I? And Adam says, like we saw there in verse 8, he says, I've hidden from you. I'm naked, I'm ashamed, so I've hidden. And they hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. The next thing God says in verse 11, who told you? Adam, who told you you were naked? You know, the verses uh, before that, verse uh, 1 to 6, 1 to 7, it doesn't say God came down and he let Adam know, hey, Adam, you're naked, I'm coming to look for you. So Adam knew he was naked, went and hid. That's not how the narrative goes. Adam heard something, listened to it, and disqualified himself from the presence of God. He went and hid in his shame. He went and hid in his guilt because he heard the wrong voice. He was listening to the wrong voice. Who told you, God says. And I think God is asking us that question tonight. Where are you at? Where are you? Locate yourself. Where is your identity? Where are you taking it from? And if the answer to that question is not from him, If you're putting your identity, if you're believing things about your identity that aren't from him, he says to you, who told you? Who told you that? Who told you that your past disqualifies you? Who told you that you've been divorced so now you're not good enough for him? Who tells you that you've been bankrupt so now God can't use you? Who told you? Who told you? 
God is asking these questions of us tonight. But we need to understand the heart of God in asking this. God is not asking this out of anger. He's not asking this to have a go at you. God is asking this in the same way that if my daughter came to me home from school one day and said, Daddy, so-and-so said I'm dumb, I'm sitting down with her and I'm saying, Zara, who told you you were dumb? Not for the purpose that, well, maybe for the purpose that I'm going to kill that kid. (laughs) No, 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 no. But for the purpose that to say, hey, honey, we don't believe that about you because I want to make sure that what you're believing, little girl, is on a path that's not going to lead you to destruction, but it's on a path of truth. I don't want her identity being formed on something that's not true. I want her identity being formed on truth. And this is what God wants for you and me tonight, church. He wants our identity to be formed on what he says about us, not on what your past experience says, not on what your family might have said about you, not, uh, not um, because of what experience might have dictated to you. He wants our identity to be built on who he says that we are. You know, there's so much negative influence and voice in the world. I don't think that's news to anybody. There is so much negative. For instance, if I asked you to list the positive things and the negative things about yourself, which list do you think you're going to fill up quicker? Negative. I think for most of us it'll be, yeah, the negative, because the negative's easier. It's easier to highlight highlight our flaws. It's easier to highlight our weaknesses. It's harder to look at the positives. But we need to train ourselves to take from the positive. We need to train ourselves to look at the positive. We actually need to train ourselves to, hey, there's so much negative trying to form my identity that I need to look and see what God says about me. I need to take from that and I need to deposit that into the account in here so when the voices come and say, hey, you're a failure here. When the voices come and say, hey, this disqualifies you. When the voices come and say, hey, you're no good because of X, Y, and Z, that I've got that deposit already in there that says, hang on a second, this is what God says about me. You know, we speak on average 120 to 140 words per minute. Some faster, some slower. But we do that, okay? 120 to 140 words per minute. You know we think 1,500 to 3,000 words per minute? You know this is constantly churning. Constantly. Just... We need to make sure that we're selectively listening to what God wants us to take on board and not listening to the lies uh, that want to form our identity. So let's have a look at what God says about us. It's so convenient that we have that lift out... um, or that pamphlet on on our seats that tell us who we are. And there's scriptures there. And I encourage you, put it on your fridge. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom. Feed on it. Use it as your breakfast every day. Because you know what? There's enough evil in one day to trip you up. There's enough evil in one day. There's enough negativity in one day to try and rip at you and to try and, 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 and take you down. But take this. You need to take what God says so that when it starts to get a little bit rocky, when it starts to get a little bit like, oh, I don't know, my foundations are, are being rocked here, hey, I know who I am. I am who he says that I am. So let's have a look at a couple of things that God says about us. Okay, because neg- uh, negativity would say that, uh, you know what, no one really cares. Negativity would say that, 
you know, you're an accident. But God says to us in Psalm 139, verse 14, he says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know God actually cares about the way he made you. You know he made you unique. He made you special. Okay, we all know about the fingerprint. We all know we've got different ones, yeah? We know we've all got different DNA. Is that an accident? Or is that the work of a creator who's specifically thought about you, who specifically uh, put the time and the care to make you uniquely you? Okay? What about when things are, are coming against me and I feel overwhelmed and I think I can't see an end in sight? You know, I had a shocking week this week. I'm going to be honest. I had a shocker. There was two days this week I didn't eat much because I was stressing about this business thing that I had no control over. I had no way of bringing it about. And my only option was to trust God. And I praised God Friday, Friday morning at 11 o'clock. The breakthrough came and um, it, just, it just changed my whole, my whole business life. It has actually changed my business life. Okay? But this is what I was holding on to in that time. 1 John chapter, four, chapter 5, verse 4. And it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. You know that situation where you can't see an answer? You know that situation where you feel like it's all coming against me? I can't get out of it. I don't know where the answer is. Hey, this is who you are. This makes your identity. Overcomer is in your identity, if you choose to listen to it, if you choose it to take it, if you choose to take it on board. Hey, you can choose to live defeated. That's your choice. But no one needs to be stuck there. No child of God needs to be stuck there. This is for you. This is for your identity. Okay. What about when you feel like no one loves me? Who do I belong to? I'm lonely. I'm lonely. Loneliness. No one cares. I'll just drift through life. No one's really caring out for me. Well, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 tells us on the screen, on the screen. That's why I saved it on my phone as a photo. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 tells us. Barra will just uh, know it off by heart, let me tell you. Here we go. Galatians 3, 26. No, we're not going. We're not going to Galatians three twenty six. But it says that you belong to Him. Galatians three twenty six says that you belong to Him. You are His. He loves you. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons. Sons being sons and daughters. Okay, you are sons and daughters of God through faith. Who do I belong to? When the negative voice says you belong to no one. When the negative voice says no one cares. Hey, hang on a second. My identity is in Him. My identity is that I'm a son of God through faith. I'm a son and daughter of faith. But he says a lot more. And I'm not going to go through um, a verse for everyone, but just a quick list. He says, I'm forgiven. He says, I'm holy. He says, I'm worthy. There's a lot of people that struggle with issues of self-worth. He says, I'm worthy. He says, I'm purposed. He says, I'm loved. Turn to your neighbour and say, he says a lot of good about me. You know, parents are funny. Parents are funny, and I am one, so I can say that. Parents are funny, okay? They post pictures of their kids on Instagram, on Facebook, and sometimes they say, 
like, oh, you've captured my heart. You've stolen my heart. And, like, I might scroll through the photo and I'm looking at this kid and seeing you've captured my heart and I'm thinking, mm. <laughs> Okay. Like, some of, you, some of you are laughing, like, yeah, some of you are looking like, oh, I don't do that. Yeah, right, okay. Let's, let's be real. Let's be real. But Carla and I, before we were parents, we always said, okay, we said, hey, if our girls, like, look a bit funny, we're going to know. We're gonna, as parents, we're going to know. We're going to be able to tell. We're going to be able to say, oh, yeah, look, that's an ordinary photo, whatever, okay? Didn't happen. <laughs> Didn't happen. Carla and I go through our... Um, Photos of our girls from time to time. We do that. We lie in bed at night and, you know, we go through photos of when, when they were little. And we can safely put them into a couple of different categories. First one, alien. <laughs> when they were first born, absolute aliens, just like, you know. But at the time, we were posting, you've won my heart, beautiful, put... Uh, uh, Enrolling them in like baby modeling, like and getting upset. Why aren't we getting responses? That's rubbish. That's that, that that's rigged. They're only picking their own kids anyway. Okay, then we go to the next folder baby chimpanzees. Okay, my girls are hairy. They came out, they came out of the womb and they were just like mops. They just the actual the, the nurse who delivered them, the first thing she said was, Look at all that hair. <laughs> and my wife's there lying there going, no one had all the heartburn and, and yeah. Right? So we go from aliens to baby chimpanzees, okay? Then they grew up a little bit more. They put on a bit of weight and we call that the potato folder. They just look like potatoes. Right? But in this time, we're still posting, you've won my heart. Oh, you're so beautiful. You know, people are liking it. Yeah, yeah, putting love hearts down the bottom, you know? Because you know what? As a parent... You, you see past the flaws of your kids. Your love for them goes beyond the monobrow. Your love for them goes beyond the fact that, hey, maybe they've got a bung eye. Your love for them goes beyond the fact that, oh, hey, he looks like an accountant. I might lodge my tax return with him. You know? Your love for them goes beyond that. Because, like, you might see the flaw, but you don't care because they're yours. Okay? You know the love of God is the same? You know, so many times we disqualify ourselves and we think that our flaws, our flaws keep us away and disqualify us from the love of God. But God actually looks at you and he goes, I just love you. I just love you, even though you look like a baby chimpanzee. Even though, you know what, you stuff up. You know, you think, again, you think God doesn't know you stuff up? You think God doesn't know you make mistakes? You think God doesn't know the things you've done, the things you've thought, the things you've said? But he looks past that because his love is so great. And he pours that out upon us. Okay. God asked Adam in the garden, he said, who told you? Who told you, Adam, to go and separate yourself from me? And tonight God is saying, hey, who told you that your flaws separate you from my love? Who told you that? Who told you that your past deeds or your actions separate you from my love? Who told you that your body image separates you from my love? Who told you that the abuse that you endured as a young person, that was not your fault? Who tells you, who has told you that that disqualifies you from my love? Because that's not the voice of God, friends. That's not the voice of God that disqualifies you. He loves you. He sees you as his child and he just wants you to come to him. He just wants to embrace you. You know, love is not based... 
His love is not based on your performance. His love for you is not based on your performance. You know, my mum's got four kids, okay? Four of us, myself, Dave, Renee, and Jordan, okay? And we're all on a scale of different things, but I want to talk about being the messiest and being the tidiest, okay? So I'm the oldest, okay? And I am, without doubt, the tidiest of the four. And I don't say that to brag, I say that because it's true. As a teenager, I made my bed every single day. Okay, I wasn't perfect, but at least I did that, which was better than what the other three were doing. Okay, so if we can just get a bit of a visual, okay. So if the stage is the scale, okay, and there's perfection, which is where my mum lives, okay. I, I was about here. I was about here on the scale, okay. And then I don't want to name the other three as to where they are, but another two of them were probably about here. Okay, I was way better than them, okay, but they weren't perfect, but they weren't the worst. And then if we go... We're going to need a bigger stage. If you can imagine a hole through there, and if you look out somewhere near the airport, you'll find Jordan Barrett. Okay? And, and it's quite ironic that he's leading our presentation team tonight, <laughs> okay? But that's where he was on the scale of neatest to dirtiest filthy pig, okay? But you know what? My mum's love wasn't based on where we sit on that scale. My mum's love wasn't based on who she had to take to the hospital in the middle of the night the least, or it wasn't based on whose uh, detentions she had to sign the least as to who she loved the most. The only thing that determined the love that my mum had for her children was that they came from her womb. And you know what? I think that sometimes we try and place ourselves on a scale to earn God's love. And we look to our left and we look to our right. We look to our brothers and sisters. We look to our family. We look to people in the church and we think, no, 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 I don't measure up there. I don't measure up there. I'm not performing that way. But you know what? The love of God is not based on your performance. The love of God is based on His performance. The love of God is based on the work that Jesus Christ has done. Let's give Him a hand. Come on. You know, you know there is one performance that the love of God is based upon. And it was of a man 2,000 years ago. And it was of a performance of a man who did this. And it's a performance of a man who rose out of a grave. And he did that for you. And he did that for me. And he, and he did that so we know who our identity lies in. And he did that so we have the power to live not in an identity built upon lies, not to live in an identity built upon false accusations, built upon falsity, but he did it so that we can live in an identity of truth in him. You know, you are who God says you are because of the work that he's done in you. It's got nothing to do with what you've done, friend. It's got nothing to do with your performance. It's got nothing to do with how well you've gone. It's actually got nothing to do with how much you've read your Bible this week or how much you've prayed. 
It's got nothing to do with what's in your internet browser history or what addiction that you have. You know, the love of God is not based on any of that. The love of God is based on the work that Jesus did on the cross and if you accept it and if you choose to believe it. You know, I want to read another scouting report tonight. And I might ask you to stand while I do this. <clears throat> just want to read another list. <clears throat> Divorced home, self-worth issues, insecurities, anxiety, panic attacks, two years of habitual vomiting, physically crippled by fear, infertility, miscarriage, bad business decisions, sudden horrific loss of a family member. You know, I've sat in church for a long time and it's very easy to sit there and to write off what the person is saying because you think, well, look at them, they've got it all together. Look at them, what have they gone through? Look at them, they don't understand my situation. But friends, I want to tell you, that list I just read, that's my life. That's what eats at my identity. That rears its ugly head from time to time and it has a go and it tries to speak and it tries to say, no, no, this is who you are. This is what you've experienced. This is what you've gone through. And I know, and, and I know that's not the worst list. I know that people have gone through much more horrific stuff than that and it's not a competition to show who's got the worst list, let me tell you. It's not about that. But what I do know is that when these things come and try to rear their ugly head, and try to whisper that it's that other list that I go to. It's that other list that I run to that says, hey, this is your identity, Matt. This is who you are in Jesus Christ. And we're going to sing tonight. We're going to sing tonight about who we are in God. And I feel God is still asking those same two questions. Where are you? Where are you? And if you can answer that, and it's a position that is not with God, that is not in a place where God is forming and shaping your identity, God is asking you, who told you? Who told you, church? What voice are you listening to? And you know what? Tonight, we're making some decisions. Tonight, we're making a decision, and I want you to make a decision as we sing this song. We're making the decision, am I going to continue living my life? Am I going to continue building my identity on my past, on the lies of my past, on what my past tells me, on what my failures tell me I should be? Or am I going to choose tonight to make a decision? No past, I live in my identity in Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Richard Kabaki and pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. 
If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.